listening to Sci-Fi TV Rewatch, episode 381. My name's Dave, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Wayne, as we continue our discussion of the classic military and science fiction series, Stargate SG-1. Dude, we're recording the night before the United States election, and I don't think anybody knows what to expect tomorrow night, for sure. Absolutely not. Um, You know, I I think there's a, a, a general... Obviously, some legitimate <clears throat> excitement, as is any election. There's going to be a lot of that. I think there's a lot of, especially this year, a really extreme amount of anxiety and trepidation, um, not just for what's going to happen tomorrow, but will, especially if the incumbent uh, does not win, what's going to happen there, you know? And I think the people, I, I don't know, they're just kind of people, are people's nerves are on edge, I would say. Yeah, they are, and uh, it's probably good if we stop there because just, I don't know, you you watch, you read, and and you just wonder, what the hell are some people thinking? But uh, we will leave it there, and, and, you know, hopefully we'll have some good news that uh, the United States behaved as it should after an election, win or lose, and... Yeah, we'll go from there. But uh, you do have some bad news for the science fiction lover in us. So why don't you yeah. go ahead and hit the listeners with that? Some super bad news. Uh, the Brave New World will not have a season two. That we have already witnessed the extent of storytelling that will be Brave New World unless some deus ex machina comes in. Yeah, I find that shocking. And again, we don't have the numbers to to know how successful or unsuccessful it was for the network. And look, I guess we've seen a number of shows get canceled by one network and picked up by another. So I guess we'll see. But yeah, that is rather disappointing. I uh, was really enjoying that. But uh, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna email uh, a, the first episode of Jeff Bezos right now, and we'll see what happens. <laughs> yeah, okay. Um, well, listen, why don't we head into the what we're watching? And and for me, I, I did finish Biohackers, which ended up with quite the cliffhanger. And I immediately went to Wikipedia, and fortunately, that show has been given a second season. So I really enjoyed it. It's not great, but I I would say it's a solid B-plus story. And, you know, maybe an episode here and there got into the A-minus range. But, you know, solid solid story, solid acting. Again, it's European, so it's got a, a slightly different sensibility to it, which I liked. But, dude, the show that I could not recommend more highly is on netflix the queen's gambit have you seen it yet i haven't i was i was reading about today oh my god it is awesome we still have the last episode to go there are seven episodes in the season and it follows the career of a young female chess champion and not only her fight for acceptance in a almost exclusively male world But it also delves into the personal demons that she fights because of her backstory. And, you know, I don't want to spoil anything, but it is just a superbly done series. And, uh, you know, whether there's going to be a season two, I haven't gotten to the end of the season yet to know whether that's viable. But Queen's Gambit on Netflix, I'd be shocked if anybody watches it and is disappointed. Yeah, the 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 girl who's the lead is is that she that's a girl from uh, Hemlock Grove I believe isn't it? Um, no, I don't think so. But maybe she's kind of I don't know. She she definitely looks like a girl. But anyway, but one of the male chess players. Uh, my wife's like, where do we know that guy from? Where do we? Know? I'm like, well, Game of Thrones. He he, he was the guy with. Uh, you know, that little group that was pulling Bran around with Hodar and and the girl, I can't remember. Oh, yeah, name. yeah, Thomas Sanctrum, I saw that. Right, so, he, you know, and yeah. then I said to my wife, well, he was also in Love Actually. Oh, okay, that's where I know him from. Yeah, yeah, he was the kid in Love Actually. Yeah, so he he's in this, and uh, you could be right about the female lead, but 
I just don't know that for sure. I don't, I don't, I just, again, uh, you know, for some reason today, I just all of a sudden I was looking of Queen's Gambit because I'm kind of in between shows right now. And I, you know, I was thinking about maybe watching one, trying to find a decent one. And I saw, I just saw a picture and it looked a lot like her, but I don't think it is. So she has been in, uh, well, the dark. She's been in Peaky Blinders. Yeah, I did see that. Right. So, anyway, anyway. well, what are you watching? Well, so I know at the end of the show uh, last week, I mentioned how I was going to check out Barbarians, and I am super glad that I did because that show is pretty cool. I, I really think you'd like it, Dave. Uh, I think fans of you know Vikings and or The Last Kingdom. Um, this show is very much in the same kind of vein. Uh, actually, an unusual occurrence that it's you know a German show, and you know also even more unusually in a in a uh, any kind of artistic uh, piece that involves international warfare in Europe, and the Germans are the good guys. That doesn't happen that often. In this case, is of course. The, uh, the the war in which the the Germans are involved is a um, from nine uh, A.D. or C.E. and, and not uh, any recent one, but uh, yeah, I thought it was really good. So anyway, I started watching it in German, and uh, about five minutes into the first episode, I'm like, no, I'm sorry, I started watching it in English, and then five minutes into the first episode, I'm like, you know what? The maybe the dubbing wasn't as great, but I'm like, you know what? Give this a go, listen to it in German with the subtitles. And I'm really glad I did that because it's pretty cool. All right. Well, it's funny you mentioned that. And that that is a show I'm going to get to. But in in one of the later episodes of Queen's Gambit, uh, a female character enters the story. And and she's not all that significant. For one episode, she is. I'm like, okay, yes, she's hot. But where do I know her from? Last Kingdom. Don't ask me which character, but she was right. a fairly major character in Last Kingdom. But I, you know, anyway, so anyway. Uh, all right, cool. Sounds good. I'm looking forward to giving that one a shot. Yeah, it's only six episodes, so it's it's just a, it's a it's a sprint. The The way they end it, clearly, there's going to be more uh, seasons to go. So, you know, it's 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 like Vikings, where I want to read more about the history, but. I don't want to uh, <laughs> at dude, the same time. I, yeah, I know. You know? And and for me, I've mentioned before, I do my podcast listening on an iPod. I know. I'm, you know, back in the uh, no 20th, judgment here. 20th no century judgment, there. But, but you look at my <laughs> iPod and it's like two podcasts about the history of England, uh, history of Byzantium. So, uh, you know, I, I, it is what it is. So if I get yeah. spoiled for real, then so be it. Yeah. All right, well, let's talk some Stargate SG-1, Episode 3, Season 1, titled Emancipation, written by Catherine Powers, who wrote eight episodes of the Stargate SG-1 series, currently retired, directed by Jeff Woolnaw. That might be a good thing. Yeah. And, and I'm like, okay, I know that name, and he directed six episodes of Dark Angel, Battlestar Galactica, Vikings, The Expanse. And this one aired August 8th, 1997. Now, you said right away, good thing she retired. And Fred, Fred mentions in his feedback that he hopes the episodes get better. And, you know, you mentioned last week about an episode two needs to do a little bit more than episode two did for us last time. So I don't know what to say about episode three given that I know it gets so much better down the road because this is a very pedestrian episode. I mean, uh, it was enjoyable, but... I, you know, I, I, Dave, I'd be hard-pressed to put the word enjoyable on this episode. Um, I watched it twice, and I thought, okay, maybe the first time I just, you know, maybe I would miss something, and then I'm like, wow... I think this might be even worse the second time. Now I'm noticing even more horrible things about this episode. I'm sorry. I mean, I I I really did not, and for a number of reasons. I guess we'll, we'll get into later. But um, 
But, you know, I have faith in you, Dave. And, and you know, and honestly, now my attitude about episode two is completely changed. So I'm like, I would rather a whole series of, you know, they're just on earth than to, to have to watch another episode like, like this one. Well, but you did like the scene, I you know, that, that I think it was towards the end when uh, – Jack mentions a, a previous mission where Sam drinks something and takes off all her clothes. I mean, we, we see more nudity in this episode. So, um, but but again, with the my main objection here is to how much it you know the it it, it purports to speak out against misogyny and the objectif- objectification of women, where at the same time, it, in many ways. Uh, inspires those very same things. Well, I thought you were going to say, wait a minute, my episode didn't have that in it. My episode didn't. There was, wait, th- there was nudity in this one? <laughs> I'm just kidding you. Oh, okay. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> that would be, I mean, that'd be even worse. Like, I mean, that I would, that, I'm, I'm <laughs> well, you, well, you know, before we get into, you know, the nuts and bolts of that, for me, as I'm watching this episode and, Yes, I've seen the entire series, but dude, I don't remember this stuff. It's been a while and I, I just sure. motored through them. But for me, it's really hard not to consider Star Trek and its many issue-oriented episodes that address cultures that appear backwards by our standards. And of course, then that's you know the, the, the key dilemma. How much do we interfere with their culture when they're doing something that we find abhorrent. Yeah, absolutely. And, and this did in some ways, in its basic premise, like you said, it definitely reminded me of a Star Trek episode. So, but, um, yeah, not, and, in, not in its execution though, I think. No, not at all. And, and, you know, it does set a thematic tone moving forward. Are we going to get more of, you know, these issue-oriented episodes or not? I mean, to a large extent, this is really Carter's episode. And and Teal'c really is just an afterthought. You know, again, Fred mentions Teal'c in his feedback, and we'll we'll get to that later. But Teal'c is really just kind of a bystander in this one. Yeah, I mean, does he does he speak? I, you know, I think he had maybe a line or two, but yeah, not much. That's for sure. But the opening scene, we see the team emerging from the gate into a new planet. Uh, temple appears destroyed, and the implication is that the locals tie religion to the gate. And again, whether you've seen the movie or not, um, you know, I, I think it was certainly. Uh, understand that yeah religion is definitely tied to the gate and and the pyramids and and the obelisks and 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 whatever so you know this this planet doesn't necessarily seem to be any different i assumed this was that first mission they were going on when we left episode two but because of jack's comment to carter at the end of the episode that I was joking. I mean, he really does say that to her, you know, so that kind of implies that they've been on at least one other mission and, and right. You know, some time has elapsed after episode two, which then brings up the point about, well, why isn't Teal'c more involved if he's been on the team for a while? So yeah, we don't get an answer, but I can, well, there is an answer for that. Okay. Uh, cause this is a shitty episode. Okay. (laughs) Okay. And that's that's the answer. All right. Well, <laughs> it, it doesn't take them long to confront this group of Mongol warriors on horseback. So we see right away, okay, this is a culture that's nowhere near as advanced as the SG-1 team. And right away, we, we are slugged over the head with what the issue in this episode is going to be. <laughs> and that is they have a problem with women in their culture. Yeah. At first, it appeared they had a problem with dogs. I'm like, oh, are they going to be fighting dogs? That's not cool. But oh, no, it's the, the real problems with women. Oh. At this point, I'd also like to mention that when when they first arrive and they meet Abu, um, Jack is like, he asks if he's okay. He, he like starts to pantomime. But the, the kid's almost like, oh, it's cool. I speak English. Yeah, I'm all right. <laughs> Let's, 
I don't know. I I still am, am, uh, I I know they 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 can't go. The the show would be ridiculous. Obviously, uh, it'd be too difficult to pull off because they'd have to come up with a different language basically every week, and it would be very difficult to pull off. And realistically, I understand why they did that. I just don't understand why they at least baby us a little bit and come up with some kind of device that explains why everywhere they go people speak english well because genghis, genghis khan didn't speak english he did not i'm pretty sure oh. he didn't i don't think english was really especially modern english was definitely not a thing uh back then so you know if anything it'd be a, a form of english that we wouldn't even understand but that, that, that goes beyond. obviously they've just decided listen we're not going to try and we're just going to ignore this idea of language we're going to star trek this up Everyone's going to speak English, and, and that's that. Yeah. Now, you know, we mentioned the, the issue in this episode. You know, I'm not really convinced it's fair to call it misogyny because they do sort of hint at the reason that they keep their women uh, covered in terms of their faces, especially. Now, granted, there's absolutely no excuse for the physicality against the right. women that we see, of of course. But, 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 but you know, every, every culture that does this to women, and I, you know, I'm not going to make any comments on that. But they all have a reason, right? That why this has to be, um, and, and most of it isn't. Oh, just because we want men to be the dominant. You know, the reason comes from somewhere else. Like, you know, that's good for the women, actually, right? But it's still. The same thing. Well, yeah, but I, I think in this case, and, and I, I feel like I'm making an excuse for the face covering. And I'm talking about the face covering and the keeping the women more in the background. Certainly not the physicality. But one of them mentions, I guess it's Abu's father, uh, mentions that the reason is to protect them from the i forget what they call them but i think it's clear they're talking about the gaold sure and that well okay well then that's a good reason of course decades maybe centuries have passed and this protection and i'm making air quotes has evolved into what is probably fair to call a misogynistic culture but I think initially we, we get that little hint that maybe it started with the best of intentions. It's just that it hasn't proceeded that way. Right. And even Mughal even admits to them that, well, he, you know, basically, I can't remember exactly what he said, but, you know, he basically says that that was the original reason. But now they just use it so that men can stay in power. Right. Exactly. Um, now, you mentioned Abu, played by Jorge Vargas, who was... In the Power Rangers, I forget which Power Ranger he was, but uh, I guess that was in the 90s. But Sam speaks, and and that's what sets the episode in motion, because apparently that's forbidden. She's going to be sentenced to die until Abu explains to his father, Nana, she saved my life. And I love right away because Sam suggests cutting their losses and leaving Daniel, on the other hand, sees it as an opportunity to study an ancient culture. And one thing I noticed, Daniel doesn't carry a weapon. And I wonder whether that's going to change as they encounter danger. In I'm sure every planet they go to, they'll, they'll engage in some sort of dangerous activity. But I wonder whether that's going to change. I mean, it's not like he's a doctor and doesn't – well, he is a doctor, just a right, PhD. Right, not a medical doctor. Right. So we understand that maybe you know, the medic doesn't want to carry a weapon, but he's an archaeologist. I don't think there's any ethical reason an archaeologist can't carry a weapon. But Well, and he used weapons in the movie. So. Right, right. But – the fact that he sees how Sam is going to be treated and he sees it as an opportunity to study. So, again, right. I find that fascinating. On the other hand, you know, shouldn't they stay there and see if they can 
perhaps impart a little bit of our culture onto yours and and you know maybe you guys can make some progress because clearly you got a ways to go that's for sure yeah i, I mean that is slightly problematic i guess in the the whole obviously the theme of uh, of the episode and right from the go uh when sam says listen i don't think this is a great idea we should just bug out and uh and she's immediately overridden by the guys right well specifically daniel here right right he says no i think it's a good chance to stay now that then also again he's got a point i mean what's their purpose if not to go and study these people but uh you know if they've already within five minutes of their arrival uh threatened to kill sam just because she's a female you know maybe they should just go back to earth and regroup and think this out before they decide to uh you know continue with the contact with these people right and i guess the problem i have with the writing is that they sort of eliminate that conflict pretty easily uh, abu's father i you you mentioned his name i i forgot what it was like but, uh, mughal mughal i think but right away he acknowledges that their cultural norms need to move with the time and i think his phrase is trade replaces war so, you know, we're not really worried that Sam's going to be put to death for talking at this point. But obviously things change later when she gets kidnapped by uh, Abu. But they do insist that Sam has to dress according to their customs. You know, I think this is what you were getting at at the beginning of the discussion when I was joking about the nude scene it is that this is an episode that wants us to think about how we view women and how we treat women. And it's almost like we knew this scene was coming when they force Sam to put on the traditional, and again, I'm making air quotes, uh, female clothing. And okay, right, we get that great scene when she comes out, the rest of the team is looking at her, and you know, at first I'm thinking, all right, are they like stunned at her beauty or are they just messing with her? But I think it's the former, to be quite honest. Really? I think they're just messing with Do her. Do you? Okay. But either way, it's not, it's not great. And, you know, especially Daniel, like, well, our, you know, anthropologists do this all the time. I would have been like, well, then you get in the effing dress, Daniel. How about that? Yeah, exactly. You know, like, you know, like. F this. And, and, and that's why, I, again, I mean, I mean, the writing, obviously, we know is not great in this. But, you know, the fact that she's forced, even as a modern woman, is, is forced to submit to these misogynistic rules, you know, that's, to, to, again, to me, that's, that's, that's problematic. Yeah, I mean, it's offensive on so many levels, uh, not the least of which is Sam's intellect, this is somebody that I, I she probably has a phd as well in astrophysics or something like that oh right she is a doctor right because that's the whole thing captain doctor yeah. so um y- you know not to mention the the other stuff and okay yes we're smiling when the uh, when the team sees her and all that but then you, on reflection you're all you almost feel bad for having thought that was a a smile worthy scene and in fact then jack suggests well next time we come to this planet maybe we'll leave you behind and sam's like dude that's fine with me which i also found interesting because you know by interesting if you mean problematic yeah it was very interesting yeah well you mean that she would agree that that was a good idea or that jack brought it up I, that Jack brought it up, I think. Okay, you know. Well, some, it seems like something that'd be better, more appropriate to discuss when you're back on Earth, not when you're forcing one of your uh, teammates to, you know, submit to to um, such practices. You know. Okay. Well, obviously, the the episode takes a turn when Abu kidnaps Sam. Because he's planning yeah, to trade like, her for something. Like really, that little skinny kid is going to take out Sam. Like, please. Well, yeah, I can't remember if he had people with him or not. To 
to be I don't honest. Think he did. Like the second time I watched it, I was like, look, it seems like he's just there. Now, great, he has a knife, but I mean, come on. Well, right. And we know that Sam's got combat skills, and, and we didn't have yeah. to see that final scene uh, with Turgan to know that she has combat skills. I mean, you know, she's a military officer. We know. And Jack mentions because he doesn't know her. You know, he, he, he you know, had her placed on his team but he says i assume you've had combat training and she says and of course oh yeah i'm level i don't know whatever she says but uh, right but what did you think about the the, how how the story then went when we find out what it is he wants to trade sam for just awful okay (laughs) just terrible i mean fred and I, i i totally agree with fred like you talked about a trope, right? Oh, it's the Romeo and Juliet. You know, I want to marry this girl. Her dad won't let me marry her, so I need to, you know, cash in a beautiful woman. Like, come on. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's impossible to not think about uh, Shakespeare at that point. But but yeah, and 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 I guess that's the the problem with virtually everything in the episode is that there is a. a trope element to you know almost everything they do from the dialogue yeah, to I, the you know to, yeah, to I'm, the, just, I'm just picturing the writer's room and someone says hey you know uh, let's see maybe uh, um so uh, the, the the son has to capture sam and then sell her to another tribe so he can marry the other chief's daughter and like if i were in that room I'd be like that that's a fucking stupid idea what are you talking yeah. about you know excuse my language but i mean it's like that's that's the most idiotic idea ever next <laughs> let's anything anything besides that 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 idea sucks well you, know, you, you, you just say it out loud and it sucks well, right I, it does but you said the, the most idiotic well how about when they realize sam has been abducted and daniel suggests well maybe it's just a cultural misunderstanding <laughs> And, you know, the conflict that he has with Jack and, and and Jack has more serious moments in this episode than he had in the previous three or the previous two. That That's for sure. sure. But, dude, come on. No, not not a cultural misunderstanding. It's plain and simple. It's an abduction. Right. And OK, fine. The two kids want to get together. Like you said, Romeo and Juliet. Naya, played by Jan K. Crystal Lowe. This was her first role ever uh but she looked a little bit familiar she was in primeval new world for i think all the episodes i'm not sure who she played but really i I did see that uh she was in that but you know uh, a shock the father's got uh, an arranged marriage already set up for his daughter so you know screw you arguably the most horrific action in the episode he backhands sam to the face yeah a woman does not speak unless spoken to and and again it's almost like you you just said about the writer's room it's like uh, okay it's 1997 it's not 1897 exactly i mean i i i just i don't even know and (laughs) i've been thinking about what letter grade i'm gonna give it and i i we won't talk about it now i I have a thermometer drops for every second we speak you know and we've talked many times about how our attitude and opinion about an episode changes very often as we talk about it and usually for the better Right, not not so much. <laughs> I'm bringing it to the dark side. Well, I mean, so this this character of, of Turgon. I mean, I I get he they want to make him into a a bad guy, but they just so completely make him into this bad guy with zero nuance whatsoever, and he's not even believable as a bad. Like everything he says is so ridiculous and a caricature that you know it's like literally the worst caricature of a sexist that you can create. And the problem with that is that not that, okay, we want him to be the bad guy. We really want him to be the bad guy. So we're going to make him as bad and horrible as we can by having him say and do these horrible things. But then as we, the audience, we watch them like, this is ridiculous. This guy is, is just over the top awful. And like you said, I think you talked about, 
you know, how we get beat over the head with the message right at the beginning. And then this character is just really just, uh, I mean, obviously a, a completely vile character, but one that also we never really buy as a potentially realistic character in any way, shape or form. Right. And, and you mentioned about Teal'c and, you know, how many lines he has. And I mentioned this before, that the laws protecting the women were made to protect them from the demons that brought them to this planet, which it makes us think they're talking about the Ga'uld. But it's been, again, decades, centuries, whatever. And Teal'c says, well, why haven't the laws changed to reflect the absence of the demons? Oh, good point, Teal'c. Yeah, wow. I never thought about that. But then I guess the women started, like, you know, bossing us around and stuff. So, you know. yeah. So then we get that again, the second horrific scene when Turgeon physically assaults and then kisses Sam as if violence and sex are somehow supposed to go. I, all right, anyway. Yeah. <laughs> and then we see her outside dutifully cleaning vegetables. And on the one hand, three episodes in, I, I don't think we look at sam doing that thinking like oh he's breaking her we know she's not broken we know she's plotting her escape and 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 of course we see that or she's sitting there thinking about keeping an eye out for the rest of the team who she knows is figuring out some way to rescue her but still it's it's kind of a disturbing scene to see her out there well in in addition especially the show that purports to be speaking out against misogyny and sexism, you know, her, the, the, her dress is, you know, coming out and the camera actually pans up to point out to us the, the showing her cleavage, you know, yeah. which again, normally I'm not, I don't have a problem with that, but when it's used so gratuitously and especially in the context of, a uh you know there, there's no reason for that there's no artistic reason for it it's just pure gratuity uh in, in the show that's supposed to be speaking out against it right. so that's just a, another example of just how ham-fisted this entire episode well is. right and, and even to, to extend that out she's talking to abu's girlfriend who's making excuses for her father and sam says there's never a case for a man to hit a woman. And, of course, this daughter feels like she has no choice and, and asks Sam to help, but she doesn't grasp the, to trade his sidearm for Sam because, on the one hand, you're thinking, like, no, he's putting a firearm in this guy's hand, and you think, oh, it's only got six bullets in it probably or whatever, and, and he fires off three or four right away. So while he could possibly do some damage, that extra ammo wasn't part of the deal. Right, exactly. Which, of course, you know, Turgan doesn't know that it has unlimited ammo, right? He probably thinks this thing just fires stuff whenever. Um, but yeah, that's another case where at first I'm like, really? Because especially you go back to the movie, especially where he is so... Um, you know, the, the one scene where uh, Skara goes to take his gun and he yells at him, says, no, that's dangerous. Get away. You know, and then his reluctance to, to arm the, the, the kids in the movie. Um, so there is I, I get this isn't the movie. So I'm not like saying that. But but this show uses the movie as dogma. Right. I mean, that's that's that, that's that's solid stuff. It follows straight from the movie. So here's a character who because of a, a terrible personal tragedy is, you know, very much aware of, of responsibility and handling firearms responsibly. And he, he just gives this dude his gun. I'm just like, but you know, so that was my reaction at first. But then of course he says, he's only got five rounds left. I'm like, okay, that's actually not a bad idea, especially as a, a ploy to, to rescue your, your, uh, your teammate. You know, this whole idea about the madness <laughs> as a metaphor for love and, and you know, uh, okay, whatever. But, but the important part of that, though, is that Sam and Daniel want to go in and, you know, impart their thoughts on what this culture is doing 
Jack sees the bigger picture and wonders whether they have the right to interfere with another culture's customs and mores. And, and again, I mentioned Star Trek at the beginning of the discussion, and, and Kirk and uh, who's the second captain, the bald guy from England? <laughs> Picard, um, you know, they face that kind of dilemma all the time. And they usually found <laughs> they usually found a creative way to to, you know, do something meaningful to help this culture. So, you know, okay, whatever. Ends up coming to a fight to the death between Turgeon and Sam. Here's your chance to shut me up once and for all. Dude, that that was the best line of the episode. So, you know, I'll give him props for that. Uh, but, you know, when Sam draws first blood and then her ninja skills put him on the ground, um, did you notice at one point Jack, you know, because remember, they're, they're, they're being restrained too, but Jack manages to take the safety off of his rifle as, as if he might need to... Uh, engage but but of course he doesn't and you know everything's good we get that closing scene they're ready to uh leave and and all women are now free everyone's free now all of a sudden that wasn't really included any of the concessions i got from the opposing uh chieftain who has no you know no rule over over this society at all but yeah what the hell everyone's everyone's free it's how you will be remembered carter <laughs> oh okay. my god what does he call it? carter because he pronounces it some way but uh, right. but the other th- thing that's interesting because in this episode they they make it clear that one of the things they want to do during these missions is bring any science back with them and they you know, bring that that plant that apparently has anesthetic properties. We'll never get any credit for our discoveries since the Stargate Project's secret. Well, there goes that Oprah interview. Yeah. What is an Oprah? <laughs> and I'm like, all right, not enough to make us forget all the bad stuff, but no, not nearly. But uh, nice zinger there, Teal. But a nice little line. Yeah. Yes. So, uh, and they figured, hey, oh look, uh, you know, we. We haven't had Teal talk this basically this whole time, so let's give him the last line. Yeah. So, any, anything you want to bring up that we haven't mentioned? Um, you know, just probably the, the 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 most disgusting character I think in this. You think it's Turgon, and it's close, but really this little shit Abu, right? No question. Who's completely willing to. You know, first of all. Sam saves his life. He says she's beautiful. He then takes her, sells her. When he, and then he's got the point where uh, he's not going to get the girl in exchange for her. So he's got to take the cash. So he runs off. He comes back, and you think, oh, well, maybe he felt bad and he's going to help Sam. No, he's come back to the girl and he's arranging to get her out. F Sam. She's done with, right? So just, and then. He gets caught trying to escape. Like, really? <laughs> you know, just everything this kid does. I don't know if, if they maybe had, and again, I, 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 I don't know. If maybe just like Jack had just maybe slapped him one time or something. You know, just someone. There's, there's just not any. And, he, and even Sam says, I'm not mad at him. What? How 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 do you not blame him? How are you not mad at him? You know, like not even Jack. Let Sam. Let's just let Sam beat Abu's ass. Let him. She takes out Turgon and she right away turns around and just punches Abu right in the face, giving him a big bloody nose so he can lie on the ground squealing. That would have, that might have made this episode a little bit more acceptable to me. Okay. <laughs> All right. Anything else? <laughs> um. No. Okay. I'm done talking about this. I'm sorry. Oh, nah, that's that's quite all right. Well, why don't we hear what Fred's got for us, uh, and then we'll be right back. Hello, Dave and Wayne, and all listeners to Sci-Fi TV Rewatch. This is Fred from the Netherlands with some feedback for Stargate SG-1 Season 1, Episode 3. Okay, about Stargate SG-1. First, I want to come back to last week's podcast. 
about Teal'c. You said whether or not we trust Teal'c and his hatred of the Gauld. Okay, you know it's. I guess he's siding Fred. That is with Kennedy there, and and right. Uh, not right. What I said, or at least I meant to say, is that I find it strange that Teal'c trusts the general, and the other way around that Jack O'Neill trusts Teal'c. And not about our trust or their trust in Tialk, in the way Kennedy does. I find it so strange that you're coming from another world and okay, you hate the old, but then you come in a new world and immediately pledge your trust and pledge your whole life to the general you just met. Trust has to be earned and takes time. So this is quite an unbelievable way of acting. So this is just bad writing or quick writing so that he can be a part of the team as quick as possible. Or, you still could be right, that this is such an unlikely behavior that Kennedy is right. So then the reason for Kennedy's mistrust is not the fact that this is an alien you have to study first, especially because he has a Gaulle in his body, but that Kennedy's mistrust is because this guy is acting so unbelievable because he trusts the other people just too quickly. What am I watching? To start with, I watched, of course, the first episode of The Mandalorian, season two, and I rewatched the last two episodes of last season. Really, really very nice series. In preparation to the upcoming second season of His Dark Materials, I watched The Golden Compass, which is a movie of 2007 with the same story, at least the beginning of the same story. Lead roles are played by Dakota Blue Richards, 13-year-old, who plays Lyra. Daniel Craig as Lord Ezreal, who we also know as James Bond, of course. And Nicole Kidman. She plays a marvelous Miss Coulter. And I even liked her more than Ruth Wilson in the series. It's a bit like Snowpeaser and a bit like Brave New World, where they make a whole series from a movie. Although, in those both examples, I really wondered how they could make a whole series of just the story of the film. Well, in Snowpeaser there are some hints back to the movie now and then, and in Brave New World, of course, and we discussed that extensively, it is really deviating from the movies and also from the book. Here I was happy I watched the series first, because the series, at least the first six episodes, quite follow the movie, so if you have seen the movie, you would be quite spoiled, or knowing what is coming. And in this way, it was really all new for me. But episode 7 and 8 are, of course, different. And I expect that also from the second season. So, very much looking forward to that. And I also rewatched episode 7 and 8 again. And encountered there Nina Sosanya, who is Mustafa Mund in Brave New World. I think you did a podcast in the Sci-Fi Fidelity series with Mike about the pilot of his Dark Materials, uh, Dave. I will contribute for this series to a podcast called The Alitiometer by Chip and Sarah. And we are going to do, in one and a half week or so, a roundtable discussion about the movie The Golden Compass. Okay, why am I talking about something else than Stargate SG-1? Well, when I watched this episode, Emancipation, so season 1, episode 3, I thought from the beginning more or less, oh no, misogyny team, um, I was almost as annoyed as Captain Carter about it. It was a bit old. A lot of tropes, especially when the daughter of one tribe head has a crush on the son of another tribe head and they don't agree and have a completely different opinion. I mean the tribe heads, of course, and not the young couple. Of course, that is a theme that is extensively there in literature. I had a nitpick about Naya, the daughter of Chief Turgon, that she looked far too much European to me than her father. 
But if you look the actors up, the actor that is playing Turgon is full Japanese. And Naya is played by Jan Kai Crystal Lowe, who is half Scottish and half Chinese. So not that bad after all. And also a bit cheesy was at the end, all women were free. The curtains may fall and the veils may fall and that's it. And Carter is honored forever, etc, etc. So... I hope that next episodes will be a little bit better. Okay, that was all for now. Greetings, all the best, Fred from the Netherlands. All right, well, in, in terms of the good that Fred has in his feedback, uh, he mentions his dark materials in season two. And, and, you know, that's a show that I really enjoyed season one. Once Fred mentioned it in his feedback, it had been kind of off my radar. I thought, oh, Okay. I guess I'll get around to it at some point. I mean, I'm not sure when it drops, but... Um, well, it's on HBO, so it doesn't Oh, one episode. Drop. Oh, right, right, right. It premieres. <laughs> right. <laughs> but uh, I think it's November 16th, okay. I think okay. it is. Uh, and, and I'll watch it. And, you know, my wife enjoyed it as well, so it's one of those shows we watch together. But, uh, uh, yeah, I, I really did enjoy season one. Now, he also mentions about... Teal'c immediately trusting General Hammond as being kind of problematic for him. And number one, I never really thought of it that way. I guess I always looked at it from the other angle, Hammond trusting Teal'c, because I I think the danger there would would be a lot, you know, more uh, significant. But but still, so yeah, I guess I don't have as big a problem with that. I I, I think Teal'c like we said last week this has been building up for a while his decision to leave sure. the gaold and this was his opportunity to do it and and he took the opportunity so yeah exactly yeah. we just don't we know that there's there's obviously something there before he even met jack because right. we saw that in in children of the gods so it's just mm-hmm. a matter of eventually we'll find out what what that reason is um i, I do agree with fred that it is what he calls quick writing, which basically you've got to get Teal on the squad. Like they can't, I guess they could take a couple episodes where maybe he's, you know, in Langley getting tested and Jack has to go in there and bust him out or something. But then yeah, that wouldn't really work. And of course, just have him gone for a couple episodes, just suddenly he's back saying, hey, they did other tests and now I can join the team. You know, all that feels like it, it really wouldn't, work as well when what they really need to do is you know have missions and have him on those missions and uh they can't do that if he's being you know probed and tested back in langley so right i mean he can be more of uh you know an observer on these missions and kind of get his feet wet for how things are done in the air force but yeah i think fred's right and like you were just saying, they didn't have much of a choice in in how they were going to do it. And this is really the only reasonable way to do it. Um, sure. All right. Anything else? Well, the only, the only thing about his dark materials is that um, he was mentioning how, you know, basically season one was the same as the movie. And that's because I think they're doing three seasons, one for each book in, in this trilogy of Philip Pullman's books, which are really excellent. I can't, recommend these books enough they're all three awesome books really great i loved i've read all three multiple times um so i I think season two is going to be the subtle knife and uh season three is going to cover the amber spyglass so um what i don't agree with fred about is uh saying that it's okay because the the girl who plays uh turgan's daughter is half chinese half scottish and he's (laughs) japanese so Fred, I, I can't roll with you on 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 that one. <laughs> so. All right. Well, Fred, thank you for the feedback as always, and we've reached the point in the podcast where we've got to put a letter grade on this bad boy. And I was thinking, I think the lowest grade I've ever given was for the forty four hundred. And okay, yeah, the forty four hundred is looking pretty good right now. <laughs> what, um, what did we give the forty four hundred? Well, do you remember? Well, I, I think I don't remember what you gave it. I think I gave it a C plus. Okay. I'd have to go back and look, but uh, 
I'm just going to go with a C for this one. Yeah, I'm saying C just because I was, you know, this is funny because I said B minus at first. And now the more we talk about it, I'm like, and the more I thought about today, actually, I thought, wow, you know, no way that that episode gets a B. Probably lucky to get a C. It's one of those things where it's a nice kid, so we'll grade him up but a little bit and not give him the D or the E, which is how we do in, in Hoko. Uh, no Fs, e- just Es. But, yeah, uh, well, I think it's... I think it's average for American television. Yes, I, I would say that probably average for American television, which isn't good. <laughs> right, <laughs> right. Our standards aren't all that high. Yeah. Uh, I believe there's a show now called "I Can Hear Your Voice," where people don't actually sing and they try to get. I don't. I, I just assume what this is about. They try to guess who's singing each song that the people don't actually sing. They try to guess based on what the person looks like, what their voice would sound like. So, yeah, that show's popular in America. Uh, Well, I was going to say I'll probably offend somebody by saying this, so maybe I just shouldn't say it. So, (laughs) I don't think I don't think there's a ton of (laughs) I can hear your voice fans listening to our podcast, Dave. So, well, I was thinking more along the lines of shows like The Voice, Uh, which. I, I don't know. I, I just don't get that. And, and I get some people love it, and that's okay. I mean, yeah. I, I don't know. Just Not that those people that are on the show aren't talented, because I guess some of them are. But anyway, let me shut up now <laughs> before I dig my <laughs> hole even deeper. Right. Uh, all right. Any, any final thoughts before we no, uh, check out no. of here? All right. Well, that will do it for this episode of Sci-Fi TV Rewatch. want to thank you for joining us. Love to hear what you think about Stargate SG-1. Anything else going on in sci-fi TV, encourage you to get into the Facebook group and the discussions there. If you want to shoot us an email, it's sci-fi TV rewatch at gmail.com. We'll be back next time to talk about episode four of Stargate SG-1 titled The Broca Divide. But until then... You know, Dave, I, I know this time of year, especially, there's a, like, a lot more people running around with clipboards and ask you questions as you're trying to leave the grocery store and everything. I just feel like recently the questions have gotten weirder and weirder. Like the other day, this guy stopped me and said, how would you like to be hung upside down with dust-filled rags stuffed to your mouth and nostrils? 